Are we doing this again? I think we're going to. All right. Welcome, folks, to another episode of the Airstreamers podcast. And uh, today we're going to be focusing on a very specific topic that we both love, um, Star Wars. Before we get to it, my name's Elias. My name is Chris. We're here. We're queer. Now give me my entertainment. Hello, 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 hello. Um, I actually just sort of freaked out because my I'm recording here, and then it says something about, are you listening to music? I'm like, how does it know we're listening to music? I don't but anyway, know. we're here on our uh, fourth episode of the Airstreamers podcast of season two, and we are going to be, um, I want to say deep diving, but we're really not. You can't deep dive into Star Wars with like 30 minutes. It's oh, just you'll impossible. get swallowed by the, uh, the Sarlacc pit if you deep dive into Star Wars for sure. Yes, but I think... And you'll be digested for a thousand years. Which I'm telling you, this is a part of what we were going to talk about, and we actually did talk about it on Twitch. You came up with this realization that if you get if you get swallowed by the Sarlacc pit, and then you are being digested for 10,000 years or whatever, that means you're living for that time. Uh, one would hope. One would hope. But my point is, maybe that's how they figured out, like, how to... The fountain of youth. Yeah. That's right. So, but more importantly, uh, other than being excited about the fountain of youth and finding eternal life, I'm more excited about our special, special guest today. Yeah, so today we have Stephen Gaines with us, also known as OG Steve, uh, from our amazing Twitch community. Um, and he's here today to talk stars with us. So why don't you come in and say hi, Steve, and uh, yeah. Welcome, Steve. Thank you so much for having me, and I am so excited to uh, talk Star Wars with you guys. And I think we all share like this bond and we really enjoy these movies and any chance to talk star Wars and kind of like deep dive into the lore. It's always just a win-win and I'm very excited. And thank you for having me today. And of I just oh want to God, say that course. my wife and I, we enjoy your stream and this is just really excited to be here. I mean, what more could we ask for is good friends and good conversation of, with Star Wars. I Can mean, what even, a wonderful Saturday. When we were younger, could you even imagine yourself thinking that in 40 years, <laughs> this is what, well, we were probably like 30 years later, that this is what we'd be doing on our Saturday night. I'm here for right? it. Life is good. So I was thinking... Um, about how we should approach this because we really don't have all the time in the world and we don't want to be swallowed by the Sarlacc pit. So we, I have come in with some questions today that I was thinking about asking um, all of y'all and then we can sort of just chat from there and see what's up. Um, if anyone who's listening wants a deeper dive into our Star Wars conversations, you can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash airstreamers and um, you can follow along. There were, uh, if you just f search for Star Wars week, you could see the three episodes that we specifically sort of deep dove into all of the nine uh, major Star Wars movies. But Wait, today, before we're you say bit. that, you just sparked something in my head. Yeah, go for where it. Where you said, if we do a deeper dive, and since we were talking about the Sarlacc pit, what if a Sarlacc ate a Sarlacc and then the Sarlacc in the stomach ate a human? Would they live for a well, 10,000 years squared? You would have to, the, the, First Sarlacc has to eat the human, then that Sarlacc has to be swallowed by the Sarlacc. Then that's... That's what I'm saying. Yeah, then it's 10,000 squared. Mm. Math. Crazy. That's a long time. Um, so, first off, 
Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a sort of hot take situation here and ask the both of you which is your favorite Star Wars movie. I'm just I just I'm throwing it out there so we can immediately get some sort of I don't know controversy going potentially, and then we'll go into this some is other a questions. Hard one. So Steve, what I'm throwing you under the bus? What is your favorite Star Wars movie? I think for me it has to be Empire Strikes Back because obviously the story, the filmmaking. Uh, it has the lessons, the character of Yoda, who is basically this puppet, but the performance is so amazing and how he makes Luke this Jedi. For me, it's Empire. It's not even not even a question. I think that that would be my answer, too. And I think recently, since we did this sort of deep dive, um, we had this little rating system going. And I have determined through my even adult life that I do think that it's Empire for me. What about you, Chris? I think I'm going to be the odd man out in this one. And it's it was so, so close, so very close. Like, I think five is really obviously chef's kiss. And there are, you know, nothing bad to say about it. Steve, I think you're going to hate me, but I want to say that three just brings so many things together. And it I, I appreciate the challenge of being able to connect the dots so well and lead into four because that, and I, I feel like that has to have some recognition. Well, first of all, I want to say, I don't hate you. I think Revenge is the Sith is actually a really well-made film. And it's one of the, probably the most underrated gems in the Star Wars saga. I would even propose that. I there. agree. I agree a hundred percent. Cause it's like when, I mean, like, execute order 66 like all of these questions that like you wanted answers to and you could never fathom what those answers would be i feel like it delivered on all of that do you know speaking of order 66 i read somewhere recently and i didn't know this was a bit of controversy there's a lot of people who uh do not like that george lucas sort of very easily made the switch over from like um you know, good to bad with the clones using this sort of very easy story point. But of I like think that's different. Is it? No, I don't think it's very easy because it was literally planted the seed like way early that the Sith were the ones who put the order in for mm -hmm. now the order 66, the order in from the uh, Kaminoans or whatever. Yeah, they went to Amazon, they selected clone times million and then mm -hmm. waited they had to just wait a long time yeah but then they did the little add-on for order 66 upgrade so that they had that additional feature if they ever needed to yes which you know the i i the, the one thing i want to say about the, the original three and and again this is all everything we're saying is super high level but i think that if you don't watch the clone wars animated show which did come out long after episodes one two and three you kind of only get a little bit of the clone story and i think that one knock against one two and three could be that there was no humanized clone like aside from uh jango fat who is the face of the clones and aside yeah. from our knowledge prior no our prior knowledge knowing that his son becomes boba fat we don't really ever see like a cody or um a rex from the way that the clone wars animated show yeah did a thing and that that's a missed opportunity for me i think so i think steve you know? i want to touch on something that you mentioned with the like the uh 
cinematography and everything, because I think that is something that is really remarkable in five. Um, and that, you know, like when we talk a little bit about, um, upgrades and graphics and that kind of thing in, uh, in video games. And if you think of like Zelda, um, on the SNES, like link between world, link um, to the past, link to the past. Me. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> to, uh, the Ocarina of Time, like that is a substantial upgrade that happened that was done right. And I think of like uh, Star Wars kind of fits that bill a little bit that it's like things that you've never seen before that look so remarkably oh, cool. You're, this is your, uh, you're saying generally about Star Wars, right? I'm saying the earlier like trilogies, yeah. like the uh, four, five, and six. Steve, when did you watch these when you were younger? Well, from a very early age. So basically my memories of Star Wars were from a very early age, the original Star Wars, which I loved. And then in the early 80s, my mother went to the library and brought back Empire Strikes Back. And I remember the first time watching Empire in the early 80s was literally a library rental. And then soon after that, Return of the Jedi, it was out. But in the 80s, it took a long time for it to come to cable. So I saw Return of the Jedi a little bit later, uh, instantly connected with these movies. By the time the uh, prequels came along, I went to opening day of Phantom Menace in 99. Uh, saw that opening day. I saw, I saw all the prequels twice in the theaters. And then with the Disney movies, uh, saw those all as, as theatrical releases. So I've pretty much been there for the, uh, for the journey. And it's... What a journey it's been, right? Yeah, right. Chris, when did you watch your first Star Wars movie? Do you remember? Yeah, I think it was similar like to Steve that I think I watched them the earlier like the earlier ones I watched on VHS. Um I think I was probably a little older though. Like I mean, I want to say 10 plus maybe. I think was when I watched them. And then in high school when the uh 1, 2 and 3 came out. I don't think I saw one when it like came out. Oh, I day saw it of. day of. Day of. I think I went and saw it probably like on the weekend or something with friends. And then um and then two, I think I saw a day of. Um three I think I saw yeah, a day you must of. have. And then for us, and seven, eight, nine was we, we all did it the together. Um, when I came from Greece to America, there was a point in time where I was even fascinated by the concept of like a VHS tape, like just the magic of like taking that thing and putting it in the box and watching. And my family, my cousins brought over a couple of movies and believe it or not, I want to say Return of the Jedi was my first Star Wars movie. And I remember very explicitly my cousin saying when I asked them what they're going to watch, um, and he said, oh, it's this movie. You're definitely not going to like it. And I watched it and I didn't understand why I'm not supposed to like it. Like, what was it about them that they thought? What was that? What was it about me that made them think I wouldn't I think like Star Wars? that was a common um, assumption because I, I feel like I experienced that too of like uh, adults saying, oh, you probably won't like this. Maybe it wasn't their yeah. cup of tea and they were just assuming that it wasn't going to be mine. But you know what's funny though? So a couple of things I want to mention. So Steve said he watched the uh, one, two, and three twice in the theaters. I'm saying I don't love Jedi, Return of the Jedi as much as some of the other ones because of like the Ewoks will say. And yet here are these movies that we're saying we like, 
maybe think aren't as good, but like you watch them in the theater twice, Steve. You know what I mean? Elias, if I can go back to your earlier question where you had mentioned our favorite movies. Yeah. When I was little, interestingly, my favorite movie was Return of the Jedi as a kid because Darth Vader, it was so scary. The, the Empire was so menacing. It was so great to finally see them get their comeuppance. I was, and then so as a child, I loved, I loved Jedi, but as I became older and, and more interested in film, it naturally gravitated towards Empire. I think so yeah. that's such a great point because I don't think that, you know, like we've, when we were adults then and we started watching them multiple times together, and the default assumption is that five is the best, like always five. And I, I was always kind of confused by that because as a kid, like I maybe didn't watch them as many times over and over again and then reflect on them again. But then when we were adults and watching them, I think that I truly appreciated five similar to like what Steve is saying. But I think like even four or, or six where you're kind of like introduced to these like four, because you're introduced to these concepts and you're like, wow, this is really cool. Or like things that maybe appeal to kids in six, like the Ewoks and like cute things like that. It's wild that the Ewoks work. Yeah. And it's wild that, like, I, I'm not going to say that Jar Jar is good. I don't think anyone agrees that he's good. But it's interesting how one had brought in, and I mentioned this in the Twitch screen, uh, stream, one brought in a whole new generation of fans because of the, of the childlike nature of it. Mm -hmm. And I do think, for all of its faults, that seven, eight, and nine did a similar thing with a brand new generation of people. And I think Star Wars um, writers are smart in doing that, which leads to one of my, the questions that I have here I want to ask. So recently there was a conversation that took place. Um, there was a conversation that took place with Kathleen Kennedy, who is the, um, what, the president of I Disney, think so. of Star Wars, I should say. And, uh, they asked her about uh, the future movies that are coming out, and um, the guy who directed Thor Ragnarok, and uh, which I'm drawing a blank. Do you know? Yeah, it begins with a T. It's like Ty T T or something. Yeah, yeah. He is the director of a supposed new Star Wars movie that I think they were initially looking at doing a trilogy of. And separate from all of this was Ryan Johnson, infamously of Episode Eight, who also was in the. Uh, running to do a trilogy of new Star Wars movies. But Kathleen Kennedy said that the Ryan Johnson one is on hold and the, the other one with the guy from Thor is going to be a standalone movie and that what they've learned over the past few years, many, many years, is that they're not going to do trilogies um, in the way they've been doing them and that instead they're going to be doing persistent storytelling through the combination of TV shows with Disney Plus as well as the movies. So what are your thoughts about that, Steve? I mean... The Disney era of Star Wars is sort of a touchy subject with me. And I kind of, my main issue with the Disney films and the whole Disney side of things is they kind of don't have this plan. And it almost kind of seems like they're kind of figuring this out as they go along. And I think the response to like The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, it's kind of caused Kathleen Kennedy to do this course correction where you're kind of seeing her do this reevaluation and i think they're kind of trying to see what what sticks and there's been a lot of 
projects. I believe the Game of Thrones uh, guys had a trilogy at some point. Yeah, and that didn't happen either. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that's just like there's so much of directors and course corrections being like, oh, Ron Howard solo. So yeah, Disney's touchy with me. Yeah. So I think that um, uh, the other thing that she said too in the in the interview was. Um, that they apparently learned from Solo that they should, now she said that it's much easier to have identified the issue, but back then they thought they were doing the right thing. I think but, it would be easier to identify the non-issues or like, No, what she's saying was the issue- Or harder to identify the, the non-issues, non-issues yeah. because like seriously, Solo is a hot it's an, dumpster it's just, fire. It's boring. That's the worst part when you have like a, a movie property like Star Wars and you make a boring movie. It's like not It's just not memorable. I don't even know what happened. But she it. said that the the thing they learned was to realize that they cannot uh, recast an already existing Star Wars uh, character, which is essentially Solo, like Han Solo. And I kind of feel bad for the actor because that sucks. You're basically saying to the actor, like, you messed up so bad which i don't actually don't think that he did i think the the lesson to take away here was don't make a bad story right i mean it was a bad story it was like it was a bad story so look i like my thing steve like the yeah uh seven eight nine are they're when i think i saw them in the theater i thought like wow it's cool because we're adults now and we can really appreciate like a a new story but i totally like feel what you're saying in that there it just i think it lacks direction and i feel like they maybe had like a menu of things that they thought that they had to check off in order to produce a star wars movie but it kind of left it like a shell of a star wars movie that had no direction so what are your thoughts then chris on the direction of or the persistent storytelling versus trilogies um i mean i think that the like the little one-off stories are maybe nice for developing okay so what i'm going to say is that disney has kind of demonstrated that they're not capable at the moment of building out a trilogy scenario and executing it properly Mm. i think that's pretty evident yes but if you are able to develop the universe in the right way with these one-off stories that explore Ahsoka or explore um, like, I don't know. The missing Kenobi timeline. The old, yeah. Or the old Republic. And yeah. like, I could imagine that those could sort of mirror maybe what the fan fiction was filling the gap of totally. earlier, but in, in movie form now, whether or not they're able to actually deliver on it and make it, you know, good storytelling. I, that's, to be seen. And I agree that I think that the more options they have to experiment with things, the more likely something will stick. And right? Elias, let me go back to your earlier point as well, as far as with, with the actors, we also have to consider that a Mark Hamill is approaching 70 years old. I mean, maybe the way forward is they need to recast eventually. If you're going to keep the stories of Darth Vader, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke Skywalker alive, you're going to eventually need to recast some of these actors. I mean, I don't know if we can keep doing deep, deep fakes forever, you know? Yeah, yeah. I agree. And, I mean, let's all agree that the potato, um, Leia flying into the, 
should should not have been a thing. The potato no. Leia. What are you talking about? What is that? When she was in space and then she flew oh, in. To the, uh, why is she a potato there? I don't understand. <laughs> she looked like a potato Leia. Also, like Mary potato Poppins quality. Leia too. Yes, Mary <laughs> Poppins is how I would describe that for sure. Um, another question I have is to Chris. What is, in your opinion, the most underappreciated Star Wars character? And Steve, I'm going to ask you that same question, so you have a little bit more time to, to think. Underappreciated. Uh, um, hmm. Is a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could give a really snarky answer if I wanted to, but I think that I'll pick something reasonable. I'm going to say that... Um, Underused or underappreciated? Underappreciated. Underused is a whole different question. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> it's a hard question. Steve, can I do you have an immediate answer? I, I absolutely do. Okay, I want to know your immediate okay. answer. To me, the no-brainer for me is Padme Amidala. And let me tell you why. Um, she, I would pre present to you that she's also the most tragic character in Star Wars. There is no redemption for her. She becomes a queen in an early age. Uh, there's this kind of loneliness in episode one where she's wearing these lavish outfits, the, the, the giant hairdo. Um, you would think that someone to be attracted to like an Anakin Skywalker, this is someone that's had this really sad and lonely upbringing to me, it feels like. Um, you can notice, like, for example, the scene in episode two where Anakin murders the sand people uh, when he's confessing in her. He, you know, he has like kind of like these like psychotic tendencies right there. And he's like saying, I murdered them. And she's there. She's 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 consoling him. And you can tell that at this point in episode two that she is already hooked in and she's already devoted to him. Um, she dies at the end of a of a broken heart after childbirth to the to the to, to the two force twins. I would say she's the most underappreciated. Anakin gets his redemption later on in Jedi. Where's the redemption for Padme Amidala? To me, I would say she's the most underappreciated. I think that's a great answer. I need to uh, share with you that hearing you speak about that just now gave me like chills. Because I think I've always known what you're saying, but I really, truly never stopped to think about what you're saying because she does not ever get any redemption, nor no. do we know much about yeah. her youth other than, no, not we know nothing other than she's a prince, a queen at a young age. That's it. And there is a loneliness to her. The fact that she has all these, uh, uh, not clones, um, body doubles or whatever that yes. are not even her friends like they maybe they're pretending to be friends but and they're really the workers they're the first employees. time you see her smile elias and chris is at the end of phantom menace at the parade she gives she gives anakin this little smile it's like the one time maybe it's the first time she's ever happy you could even yeah suppose. wow that is that is a great good. answer i i love padme for many reasons and I never really thought about what you're saying. And I'm if I when we watch if I like I'm not going to watch episodes one, two and three again. When we watch <laughs> one, two and three again in life, I'm going to be seeing that in a completely different way. There is such an element of loneliness. Even when she is with Anakin, there's an element of loneliness because he's unfortunately so disconnected from reality in his own way. Like he's right. so into her that he's going to become the most 
evil person on the planet. I'm and like, watch the scene, Elias and Chris. In I love the scene in Revenge of the Sith, where um, he, you know, he's told to go to the Jedi Temple and wait. It cuts to close-ups of her face, and she looks almost angelic because it has to sell the point that he is about to turn for what he feels is right. That she is worth, where he's literally essentially throwing away the Jedi Order. He's following his beliefs. She has to be this amazing, remarkable woman for him to do all the do what he's about to do. And I think Lucas sells it per- per- perfectly. It's such a great. I moment. agree. I know exactly the scene you're talking about, and it is absolutely fantastic. And it keeps cutting in closer and closer to the both of them in and their the respective. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and the colors of the sun setting and stuff. Yes. Oh, it's so good. Which actually leads me to my next question. Wait, of- can I give a controversial answer? Do we have enough time for me to give a controversial? answer to so the limit of time is actually not so much the twitch stream it's the zoom uh uh minutes (laughs) we only have 40 Uh minutes and we're on uh minute i want to say like 26 which i'm nervous about because i don't know if that is actually the proper one so yeah but go ahead give us your your i want to quickly just say that i'm gonna say the ewoks and we're gonna get hate mail from from this but the reason I'm saying this is... Oh, wait, wait. You're saying the Ewoks are the most underappreciated Star Wars characters. Yes. The most <laughs> underappreciated Star Wars characters that exist in the entire galaxy of Star Wars. Yes. Your answer, I just need to verify is what I'm hearing in my ear holes, is the Ewoks. Yes. Okay, go Because ahead. they're really freaking cute and they draw in new people like kids, like I said earlier, into the universe... And it makes it exciting for them. I think it's really funny that they're like the comic relief of seeing C-3PO as a, as a deity. It's really like just... A, you have all of this badness going on where they literally are um, fighting a galactic war. And it's a little bit of a reprieve of that. And where you like kind of focus on something just a little bit more lighthearted. Now, this acceptance of the Ewoks as being underappreciated does not include the fact that they use string and logs to to kill <laughs> mechanical enemies. That, I think, is way too far Chris, I do not think anyone in the whole entire world, a million monkeys at a typewriter, will have ever picked the Ewoks as the most underappreciated. Which, actually, you know what my answer is? And I don't think anyone in the world will, will have ever picked Yes, mine. I want to know. I think that the most underappreciated, and this is where the hate mail is going to come in. We are going to be canceled in all respects. But we're still a five-star podcast. We just may, people may disagree with our answers. I think this will bring us down to 4.9. No, I don't think that's not even an option. My answer is Rose from episode eight. And the reason I say this, and I I just hear me out. I don't care. Good choice. Don't at me. I am saying that she is the most underappreciated because she is the representation of why the entire Republic is fighting, or why, the I should say, the rebels and the resistance, why they are fighting for what they're fighting for. She is someone who is going to stand in the way of the danger. She's someone who will say, I want this, I'm going to do this. And she's the representation of what everyone is essentially fighting for. So it says this meeting will end in 10 minutes. All right, that's good. So I will keep an observation on on that. Um, but I that is my answer. It's Rose from episode eight. What is her name? Rose Tycho or I think? Rose, Rose Tico. Tico, yeah. That is my super controversial answer. 
Well, we have to have a balance in the force and have good answers like Steve's and bad answers like mine and me- <laughs> mediocre answers like yours. So. I want to move on to my next question because I think this is a great uh, segue into the prior question about, um, you know, we talked about uh, Padme looking at Anakin through the window. What are your thoughts on Jedi having to detach from relationships, Steve? Um, it's... A lonely existence. Um, these you have these children that are basically discovered in the galaxy. Um, they undergo this training. They're forced to have no possessions, no love. Um, it was a system that wasn't meant to last, and it doesn't last because basically the Jedi are wiped out, and another regime comes in. So it, it's could be arguably said it's not a good system. <laughs> I think the childhood thing is interesting that they come in at, at such a young age and yeah. that how do you make a decision like that as a, as a kid or as a parent to have um, like your life devoted at that young age. Now, like the not having um, attachments and stuff as you get older, I think like that kind of makes sense to me only because it is such a difficult life and it does sort of uh, adjust your priorities, like having somebody that you really care for when you're sort of in this adult life as a Jedi, really all about being selfless and not, you know, for the, for the greater good. And you know what I think connecting this a little bit to what's maybe a more current story with Halo, where they kind of touch on that idea as well in the Halo series where, um, um, not to spoil anything, but like that Master Chief and um, the Spartans who are fighting for uh, the humans against the the alien race really are mechan or uh, biologically devoid of of a uh, feeling. feeling, yeah, and that's sort of a requirement for them to function like that. And so I think even George Lucas, I mean, he adapted that in the early parts of the story and i think that's then revisited in other stories as well i think for sure i i um my quick answer of this is that we talk about um how priests this is you know how they mentioned in uh episode four oh that ancient religion of like being a jedi yeah so there is a connection i have to say maybe controversial that the jedi are kind of like priests Priests are not I, allowed I to have yeah, yeah. Priests yeah. are not allowed to have attachments, which in turn does cause some problems in the priesthood. Sure. Because of that. And the argument can be made that let's look at priests and say, why can't they marry? Why can't they have love? Why can't they experience all of this and still do what they're and doing? And it causes yeah. And yeah. that's that could be the, the the basis of why religion as a whole is sort of inherently controversial. So then compare that to the fact that the Jedi are not allowed to do any of those things either. And then the only one we know as viewers who does go about above and beyond ends up becoming the the most awful. Person. most evil man you know, yeah, yeah right yeah, and, yeah. and so you're associating this idea of being ha- having an attachment inherently makes you evil only because you are then like you said chris conflicted on what you're fighting for like where are your priorities i think steve kind of nailed it on the head and saying that it's just not a sustainable system right, right i agree yeah. so that but then if, without it being a sustainable system then that means it's falling apart so then who's protecting 
like what happens you know yeah it's it's interesting elias because we could say that the jedi is george lucas's view of religion where he's basically saying don't have possession don't love but keep your mind clear and study the force all day exactly. with the force where it's definitely his view on religion exactly um steve earlier you had mentioned that you have a couple bullet points that you want to touch on anything specific you want to mention we have about five minutes left uh i would uh, other things i would ask you um your thoughts on uh, Luke Skywalker versus Ray, as far as how do you feel as, as far as character development? Um, are they well? Are they well rounded, developed characters? Um, so my my first sort of gut instinct is to say that Luke is the better developed of the two. Um, I would agree because of the fact that he has some sort of arc. But I do think that there's something to be said about Ray's inherent existence like the fact that she is who she is we have i actually mentioned this on our twitch stream where i had said that aside from what our perceptions are of what happened in seven eight and nine in the real world meaning like ryan johnson was fired jj abrams came back in to, to to fix it we can't look at that we have to look at it from the fact that the story is told and it is officially the story and so with that said we do have to recognize that she is the granddaughter of um of uh palpatine, palpatine. and that is in that is weird i have to say but at the same time I do think that that really nicely ends the storyline of the Skywalker saga, as we call it, because it takes this evil and and sort of flips it around into one of the the, the sort of best good goodest parts of the galaxy. That's not a word. Um, and I think her relationship with Kylo Ren and those scenes where they force talk to each other. Those are, to me, honestly, really brilliant scenes in seven, eight, and nine. I really like that. I think it's mostly in um, nine that it happens in. Yeah, but it's really, 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 really good. I, I that, think, those are my thoughts. I think this is a great question, and I know we're coming up on time, but I want to say that I think Luke had a little bit more time to develop. So um, taking that into consideration, I still think Luke is the stronger character, the the better developed character. Um, now we've talked about this before, but I think that there are a lot of cringe dialogue moments with Luke as a result of George kind of writing those yeah. in, um, where I, if I think about Ray, I think the dialogue is a little more mature. I don't think she's um, ever had a, a line where it made me like this really like, Ugh, yeah, you know, but I think that because of sort of what Steve touched on earlier with Disney not having a lack of direction in where the movie's going. I think that Ray, who's sort of the front and center of these stories, along with Kylo, um, that her character arc suffers as a result. I agree and with so that. I think that. Absolutely. I think, because I think you have two different filmmakers with different visions. One yeah, yeah. says she's a nobody. The other says she's the granddaughter of... Uh, of Palpatine. So yeah. we as an audience are kind of cheated because of this, these different visions, I, th I think. Yeah, totally. And then I think, I, I mean, it's worth saying, and it's absolutely worth mentioning that she as a female Jedi and the fact that she's so strong is super, super, super important for the, 
the the audience like for for young oh. girls in the in the world to be watching stuff like that um i think is absolutely in, incredible we are running out of time but i wanted to say steve thank you so much for joining us i would love to do this again in the future and ask some more questions because i think it's super fun what a blast it's like nerd central i'm absolutely here for it um and anyone in the audience who's listening if you've never watched star wars now's your time to do it because it is an absolute joy of a series i think having steve on we're no longer a five-star podcast we're now a 10-star podcast doesn't even exist but we are that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yes. anyway thank you steve thank you so much for having me and i would say to anyone anyone out there to check out the air streamers it is one of the best uh twitch streams that you will come across that uh, anything from sci-fi to cats to everything it's just a just an awesome time oh thanks thank so, you much, so much steve so we sweet. love having you as part of the community we're going to head out and thank you so much for being a part of this uh, experience. And thanks folks for tuning into another episode of the Airstreamers podcast. See you next time. Bye. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.